Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. Through this podcast, we hope to challenge and equip you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus and in living and loving like Him. Good morning, church. We good? Man. Uh, Something that I learned a long time ago was when God gives you a dream, you have to be careful who you share it with. Because there's times that God will give you a dream that's bigger than you are, bigger than your talent, bigger than your capabilities, bigger than your bank account. And if you tell it to the wrong person, they're going to poo-poo you. And it can be discouraging. So when God put the idea of Vintage Church in my heart, I was really selective with who I shared it with. But two people that were friends of ours at the time who I knew would come alongside of me and pray for me were Matt and Deborah Rhodes. And I shared the vision of Vintage with them early on, and they have been forever my champions. They have prayed for me. They have walked me through these seasons. They have cried with me when I've cried. They have rejoiced with me when I rejoiced. And uh, you're familiar with Matt because Matt was here about a year ago, and he shared one of the most powerful messages on forgiveness and grace I have ever heard in my life. It was fantastic. Well, you're about to get to know him a little bit better, and more importantly, you're about to get to know his wife, Deborah, because God has called them to plant a church in Greenville, South Carolina. And now I get to be their champion. I get to be their prayer warrior, and I get to hand over the platform that they helped me build and allow them to use it to share what his purposes are in their lives. And so Matt and Deborah are gonna come and share their heart, share a word that's gonna challenge you, and you're gonna hear a vision for the church that God has put on their hearts that's gonna sound very familiar. So will you do me a favor? Will you get up on your feet and show some love to my friends, Matt and Deborah Rose, as they come up to share the word today. Good morning, Vintage Church. Is this thing on? There we go. Listen, I'm going to tell y'all something this morning. And forewarning, I get real Southern when I get a little wound up. I'm a little wound up this morning. Here's the thing. Here's, this is something that I absolutely love about Vintage Church. Is that there is a freedom in this place to worship Jesus. And I'm going to tell you right now, I closed my exercise circle this morning. I am not even kidding. (laughs) I'm like, does this mean I don't have to go to the gym in the morning? Like, I'm good. Like, I am so grateful for a place where we can worship Jesus and not care what anyone else thinks. Amen. I mean, that enough. I mean, we could just all go home after that, right? Some of you are like, can we please? I'm kind of hungry. Um, But I do want to say thank you so much to Smitty. Now, I I need to clarify. I call him Smitty. I will always call him Smitty because this is Matt to me. And when you're married to a Matt and you're friends with a Matt, you have to figure out a way to, like, tell which one's which. So he will always be Smitty to me. So when you hear me say that, like, just know that that's who I'm talking about. Um, But I do just want to say thank you so much for the opportunity to be here, Smitty. 
you have been a pastor to me in seasons where I was driving an hour to work every day and listening to the Vintage Podcast. And you guys, I need you to know that this man for years has prayed for you and cried over you and championed you and poured blood, sweat, and tears because he believes in what God wants to do in and through you as individuals, in this church as a whole, in this community, and for the kingdom of God. I hope you're as grateful for that as I am. And I, I believe that you are. So I just want to say thank you for loving him and his family, encouraging them, because they're like family to us. My, my daughter calls him Uncle Matt. Um, and so, you know, that's just how we roll. Um, but we are really excited to be here. Matt and I, my Matt, and I have been looking forward to this. Can you scooch that? Just, I'm sorry, love. Um, we've been looking forward to this for months. And with a little bit of, of anxiety, uh, because there are a lot of you looking at me right now, and I have a microphone. Um, and so that can be a little nerve-wracking. Um, but more importantly, like just this anxious anticipation to share with you what God has laid on our hearts. And so we're really excited to be here. Um, over the last year or so, um, the Lord began to stir something in our hearts. And when he first said it, we were both like, uh, no thanks, hard pass on that request, God. We'll, like, you got something else because we'll take plan B because we don't, this one is hard. But we felt like God was calling us to plant a church. And we were like, we know what that looks like. We've been a part of church plants before. We know how hard that is. We have seen and visited Vintage Church when they were meeting in a gym and setting up pipe and drape way too early in the morning and rolling out massive rolls of this black tarp thing on a gym floor so that they could protect it. Like, no thank you. And I was like, I am not called to that. God will not ask us to do that. Well, here we are. But over this past year, as God has been laying this on our hearts, um, we thought, you know, he's probably not going to, like, let this go until we at least, like, pray about it, you know, ask some people what they think. And so that's what we did. We committed it to prayer, and we said, God, if this is what you want us to do, would you confirm it? Would you show us? Would you open doors? And that was what we did, and he did over and over and over again. And we asked people in our life that we trusted, one of them being Smitty, and he was like, yes, you're crazy, but yes, because you should always obey what God has told you to do. And so and that's what we did. And as we have kind of gotten into this, like church planning is kind of a weird thing. Like you don't really have a whole lot of like groundwork. It's kind of like from scratch kind of thing. And there's not a real set floor plan for how this thing works. And it's based on a lot of different things. But as Matt and I began to pray and to seek God's face, there was this one idea that kind of started to rise to the top for us. And it was this idea of building bridges. And we just kept hearing him say that, build bridges, build bridges. Like, what does that mean? Now, something that you need to know about me this morning is that I'm kind of, I'm a word nerd. I like to know what words mean. I like to read the words. Like, we have more books than I'm allowed to tell you about. And he has feelings about it, but that's not important. Um, because I like words. I like all the words. And, and I want to know what they mean and their importance because I think words matter, Right? And so I thought, well, I'm going to look up the definition of a bridge. Like, why? That's, it's a bridge. But I wanted to know what it meant. 
And so Noah Webster and I are good friends because I told you I'm a word nerd. And so I reference him often. And so what Noah says that a bridge is, is something that is intended to reconcile or form a connection between two things, build bridges. And I don't know where you're at in your walk with Christ this morning, but there is one truth that is true for all of us in this room. It's true for everyone on the planet who has lived or lives now or will ever live. We all have one thing in common. And that's at some point in our life, there was a chasm between us and God, right? Romans 3.23 tells us this simple verse, we know this. For all have sinned, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But that sin created a gap between us and God. We all, we have that in common. That's one thing that we all have in common. And I don't know if you remember what that was like in your life. For some of us, you might be sitting in this room and you're like, I remember. I remember what it was like before that gap got filled in in my life. For some of you, you might have been in church so long like me, like I remember, like I was seven when I, when I prayed that prayer. But there have still been seasons in my life where I realized and acknowledged that my sin creates a gap between me and God. There's, there's a verse in the Old Testament that puts it this way pretty, pretty plainly. In Isaiah chapter 59, it says, Indeed, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save, and his ear is not too deaf to hear. But your iniquities are separating you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not listen. Well, that doesn't give us warm fuzzies. Like, some of you are like, man, she's kind of a killjoy. But, but this is the truth, is that our sin, our iniquities separated us from God. And so there needed to be a resolution of that. Because here's the thing, while that is true for all of us, here's the best part. We know that's not where the story ends. There is more to the story. God saw there was a problem and he sent a solution. He sent his son, Jesus Christ. And we know this. This is like, this is like Christian 101, right? Like we're all like, okay, we know. But here's what, here's what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For it is Christ's love that fuels our passion and motivates us because we are absolutely convinced that he has given his life for all of us. That means all died with him so that those who live should no longer live self-absorbed lives, but lives that are poured out for him. The one who died for us now lives again. So then, from now on, we have a new perspective that refuses to evaluate people merely by their outward appearances. For that is how we once viewed the anointed one, but no longer do we see him with limited human insight. Now, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new creation. All that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. And God has made all things new and reconciled us to himself. While sin may have created a gap between us and God, Jesus came to bridge that gap between us and God. And did you see that in verse 18? This is where like my word nerd gets really excited. Because in verse 18, it says, and God has made all things new and reconciled us to himself. Remember that definition of a bridge? That a bridge is something, or in this case, someone that is intended to reconcile or form a connection between two things. 
Jesus Christ came and because his life and his death and his resurrection, the old has gone, the new has come. We are reconciled to Christ and he made that bridge possible. And that is exciting to me that that gap is not there any longer for those of us who know him. I, I wanna take just a second to go back to that passage in Isaiah, the depressing one, because it doesn't end there. If you keep reading in Isaiah 59, like past verse two, uh, it doesn't really get much better until you get to the end. And here's what it says at the end of that passage. The Redeemer will come to Zion and to those in Jacob who turn from transgression. This is the Lord's declaration. As for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit who is on you, my words that I have put in your mouth will not depart from your mouth or from the mouths of your children or from the mouths of your children's children from now on and forever, says the Lord. God had a plan all along to redeem us back to himself, to reconcile the brokenness in our lives. And because of that, there is reconciliation between us and God. Sin created a gap, Jesus bridged the gap, and we are reconciled to God through Christ. That is something to celebrate. But here's the thing. It does not end there. There is always more with God. There is always more. And when you read verse 18, there's a very important part where there could be a period, but there's not. There's a comma. It says this, and God has made all things new and reconciled us to himself, comma, and given us the ministry of reconciling others to God. In other words, it was through the anointed one that God was shepherding the world not even keeping a record of their transgressions. And he has entrusted to us the ministry of opening the door of reconciliation to God. So what do we do with that? We build bridges for others. I get so excited when I think about that. Because I think that a lot of times we in the church talk about the gift of salvation. The, and listen to me, do not hear me wrong. That is the most incredible gift that we could have been given. That, that God sent his son to die in our place for a, a debt that we could have never paid and we were saved. But we were not just saved from something. Even though that would have been enough, we were saved for something. God went above and beyond and you were not just saved from something. You were saved for something. You were saved for a purpose. And part of that purpose is to use the gift that God gave you of the ministry of reconciling others to himself. We get to share that hope with the world. We get to partner with God in ministry. He doesn't leave us out of anything. He includes us in everything because here's what I believe to be true. I believe that the moment that that gap gets filled in for someone, all of heaven rejoices. But I think God is such a good father that he wants us to experience that and get the same enjoyment out of it that he does. And so he tells us, I'm going to create spaces and places for you to be the bringers of the message of reconciliation and watch that gap get filled in for someone who has no hope. You get to do that. The question is, will you? You have that gift. 
But I think a lot of times what we do when we look at some of these other gifts that God has given us, we're okay with the salvation piece because that's like we get that, right? We receive that. Some of these other gifts, we, we got to do something with it, right? And it's a little bit easier to take it and set it on the shelf and be like, look at this pretty little gift that God gave me. Don't you like it? It is so much more exciting if you will go and do something with it. And if we, and myself included, because this is not easy to do, and I get that. But if we do something with it, it will change our lives and change the lives of others. And you get to be a part of restoring and growing the kingdom of God. And you do not... You do not have to be a reverend. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be on staff at a church. You don't have to sing pretty or play an instrument. You don't have to have a degree. And you do not have to have had four semesters of biblical Greek. Because even if you do, you might forget some of it or most of it. But you do need to do something with it. We all do. If we don't, we're the ones missing out. And here's the thing about the church. I love the church. We would not be planting a church if we did not love the church and believe in the church as the body of Christ to bring the gospel to the world. But we have gotten really good at making excuses and not very good at making disciples. Do you hear that? Myself included, we have gotten really good at making excuses and we've become really bad at making disciples. And it breaks my heart and it convicts me. Please don't think that I am up here because I have this all together. Trust me, I do not. You can ask my husband and my friend Casey right here on the front row. I had a meltdown on Tuesday and I had to be reminded of the grace of God and the authority of God. Because yes, we are broken, but we have been reconciled and we are given the gift of helping others be reconciled to Christ. And that is such a gift. And I don't want us to miss out on it, church. I want you to understand that it's not on you and it is not about you. And, and one of the things that I love, listen, I, I love me some Paul. I love the Apostle Paul. I, I, his life, the transformation in his life, the redemption in his life. If you know his story, you know. If you know, you know. And I love these letters. But I think we kind of, we forget some things when we read the letters that Paul wrote to the churches. And one of the beautiful pieces about Like we're focusing in on one passage of scripture, but this letter would have been sent to the church at Corinth and they would have read the whole thing straight through because it was a letter, right? Like we don't get an email and and stop halfway through and be like, okay, that was pretty good. Like, Like they kept reading and sometimes we break up scripture and we miss some of the important parts, but here's what I want you to see. If you keep reading in 2 Corinthians from chapter five and you go into chapter six, Paul says this to the Corinthian people. He says, working together with him, him being God, We also appeal to you, don't receive the grace of God in vain. That word working together in Greek is the word synergos, which is where we get our our English word synergy, this idea of working together in partnership for effectiveness. And, And Paul is talking about working together with God. This ministry of reconciliation, this gift that we have been given 
is a partnership with God. You don't have to have all the right words. You just need to be obedient and walk alongside him in building those bridges for people who need to have that gap filled in in their life. Your response to that gift is to be obedient and trust God with the rest. Because every single one of us, we are all bridge builders. Okay. But how? Like we just spent the last few minutes, and, and Deborah did a great job of kind of unpacking this, this beautiful piece of Scripture that is so encouraging. And we, we've learned that, that we have a part to play in what happened with us to other people, that we are called to, bridge build, uh, to build bridges with Jesus for other people. But what can we do to partner with him with that? What can we do to build bridges to other people? And that's what I want to share with you. Because it's great to hear about the what and the why, but if we don't walk away with the how, then all we do is feel good about our time here, right? Like if you walk in these doors and, and experience incredible worship and thanks for the team for that and, and, and great teaching, and, and that's one thing. But if it doesn't change the way that we live our lives and walk out the door, then all we did is stroke our spiritual ego, right? And that's not what I'm here for. And I know your pastor, and I know that's not what he's about. So how can we do this? How can we figure this out? And I don't think we have to go very far to figure this out. In fact, I think we can camp out in this scripture and look at two things that we can pull out, two insights that, that can, we can apply to our lives today that can help us build bridges to partner with Jesus to build bridges that open up the door to reconciliation for people in our lives that are far from him. And I want to share those with you. Right now, the first one can be found right in verse 18. I'm going to read that for you. It says, and God has made all things new and reconciled us to himself and given us the ministry of reconciliation, uh, ministry of reconciling others to God. Right here, God says he has made all things new. And this teaches us this important truth. And Maybe write it down or, or make a note. It's God's design for us to celebrate when he makes things new. God wants us to celebrate when things are made new. I don't know about you guys, but like one of the bad habits I have is that usually within the first few minutes of waking up, I do what I imagine a lot of us do. We grab our phone and we begin to look through social media and stuff like that. Like, and if you spend any amount of time on those platforms, you understand this truth. There is a ton of negativity in our world. Like even today, it's only uh, 11.52. It's getting close to lunchtime. We're, you know, halfway through the daytime portion of Sunday. Already at some point, most of us have encountered some type of negativity in our life. It's so bad in this world that we live in right now that it would be easy for us to get of the mindset that there's really not a lot left good in this world. I mean, we cannot go a day without hearing news stories and, and, and divisive uh, political ads and, and, and crazy stuff on Facebook and, and bickering and fighting at work and, and maybe even in our own home. Like, we are inundated with negativity. 
And I know that for me, and I consider myself a pretty positive person, but I know for me there are times when I just step back and say, man, I just don't know that there's a ton to celebrate in this world. There, there can't be much good left, but I'm here to tell you that through Jesus Christ, there is still plenty to celebrate in this world. God is still working. He's still making things new. He's still doing things in the seen and unseen, and lives are being changed. There is plenty to celebrate. Like, if you can't get behind that, then you haven't been at church this morning, and you've been taking a nap while someone else is here, because God is still moving, and there is still plenty to celebrate, and I think we should take things a step further as believers and lovers of Jesus Christ, that if we don't step into this truth, we're missing out. There is far more to celebrate than there is to criticize. Man, people love to criticize. In fact, like, the way we get ahead now in this world is not hard work, it's not diligence, it's not, it's not putting our nose to the grindstone. The way that we elevate ourselves, the way that we elevate our position, even from a spiritual standpoint, is we step on other people to push them down to make ourselves look taller. Guys, this is truth. This is what happens in our world. And we love to sit back and criticize. Even when someone does something good in their life and we see it on Facebook, we do this thing called hate-like. Well, we'll double tap on the Instagram post, but we are mad about everything we're seeing. Even when it's good. And I'm here to tell you, and I'm a part of this too, like one of the things that, that I really want to be convicted about and make sure that's right and true in my life is that my celebrations are louder than my criticisms. Because if they're not... I need to spend some time down here on my face before Jesus. If I look at other people and I'm just always nagging and ragging on what they're doing, then I'm not focused on celebrating because God is still moving. He's still working. If your criticisms are louder than your celebrations, you need to reevaluate some things in your life. It's not about them. It's about you. Unfortunately, Christians aren't known for a lot of good things in this world right now. I grew up in the church. I spent most of my life in the church. And like Deborah said, we, I love the church. When we go on vacation, I'm like, ooh, what church can we visit? Like, I'm a, she's a word nerd. I'm a church nerd. I enjoy it. Okay? I believe it's the vessel that God chooses to save the world. And it's a broken vessel, right? Because we are known for way more for the things that we are against than the things that we're for. That's unfortunate. What we should be known for is celebrating with other people as God makes them new. When lives are restored, when marriages are restored, when chains are broken, when people are baptized, when addictions are broken. Like, guys, this is stuff that should get us excited. And we see people going through these stages in their life, even if it's two steps forward and one step back. Guess what? That's still progress. Right? It's still progress. And we need to be at the forefront of celebrations. We should be the first people in line that when people see you, they're like, what is wrong with that person? Actually, what's right with that person? I want to be more like them because they have this thing called joy. I mean, joy. I mean, celebration is the outward expression of joy. Like, that's how people know what's going on in our life. And the cool thing about joy is that in the Bible, it's described as a fruit 
of the Spirit. It's supposed to be an evidence of the Spirit's work in your life. It's not called, uh, criticism is not called a fruit of the Spirit. That is not supposed to be part of your relationship with Jesus Christ. But celebration is through joy. If you don't have joy in your life, how is the Spirit working? Is the Spirit working? That's one part. But let's give him, get even more practical than that. Let's even take away the spirituality. Like, have you been around a person that has joy? I don't mean happiness, right? Happiness is a fleeting emotion that changes with the winds, okay? South Carolina, University of South Carolina lost to Carolina yesterday. That makes me unhappy. Stop it. All right, we celebrate. Nah, I'm celebrating with you guys, all right? I'm happy when Andrew Luck unretires and says, just kidding, as a Colts fan. Like, when, when sports teams win or lose, that makes me happy or sad, right? Joy is different. Joy is this guiding line throughout our entire life that no matter what, it's going to be okay. Jesus got this. That's what we're supposed to be about. And those people are fun to be around. And I don't mean that fake, like, Waitress at the restaurant who's just trying to get better tips. I don't mean that like annoying kind of, ha, ha, ha. No, I mean like just genuine, happy, uh, happy about not only their place in life, but joyful about what God is doing in their life. Those people are great to be around, right? Have you ever been around those other kind of people? Not so much fun. Like if you've been around someone who's got a critical spirit that's always negative, that nothing is good, and everything is, is bad in life, like those people are no fun to be around whatsoever. And look, everybody in their life has got those people. And maybe you're thinking, man, I don't have any people like that in my life. Well, you're probably that person for someone else, and you need to change. Okay? Come down. We'll pray for you, and it's going to be all good. I mean, we got to celebrate with people because God is moving. He is doing things in the seen and the unseen. And we should be the first people to stand up and stand out and say, that's amazing. Keep going. That's the first part. We got to celebrate with people as God makes them new. The second thing is found in verse 19. In other words, it was through the anointing when Jesus, God, was shepherding the world, not even keeping records of their transgressions. And he, was in, and he has entrusted us to the ministry of opening up the door of reconciliation to God. This teaches us that we must love people more than we disagree with them. Whew. Lord, no, you didn't ask me to do that. Not keeping, not even. Like, he didn't even keep a record of their transgression. Like, it goes a step further. We love people more than we disagree with them. Before we unpack this, I need to say something very clear. I want you to hear my heart, okay, so pay close attention. There are times in Scripture where very clearly Jesus draws a line in the sand and says, stay here, do not go there. Do this, but do not do that. Don't hear me today that I'm opening up the door to say it doesn't matter, because it does matter, Right? There are times when Jesus says, this is what I want for your life. These are the things that are to be a part of your life. And because I love you and I want you to experience the fullness of my freedom and grace, don't do these things, right? And we can unpack those at a later time. But I just want to let you know that there are times where very clearly Jesus draws a line in the sand. However, that should never overshadow or call into the question the love that we have for an individual. Not once, not ever. It is possible, even in this crazy world we live in right now, to 100% 
disagree with someone and 100% support them and love them as a human being, as an individual, and as a child of the king. This is an unpopular viewpoint in our world today. People like to teach you that love and support are the same thing. That when you say you disagree with someone, you must hate them. That is not true. You can disagree and not support the actions that people do in their life, not support and agree with the way they live their lifestyle, and still love them to the core of their being. Not only is it possible, but it is a biblical mandate laid out in this scripture right here. It is not your job to change people. That's God's territory. That is not your thing. And some of you right now, you're living in the midst of struggle because people that you love dearly, a child or a grandchild or, or, or a niece or nephew or someone that lives in your household or someone you care about in your life is in the midst of the darkest struggle of their life. And you know the truth that will set them free. But they're not ready to hear it. And you want, you look at them and you just want to shake them and say like, look, I know the thing that will make this right in your life. But sometimes we get it twisted and we give all truth and no love. But scripture tells us this. It's our responsibility to speak the truth in love as the spirit leads. Like a lot of us, including myself, like we don't have a problem speaking truth. Like, look, you got a problem, I'll tell you how to fix it, okay? I'm an eight on the Enneagram. Some of you guys don't get that. But those who do, like, you know, like, I'll tell you how it is. We don't have a problem speaking truth. And then we have to go in love and as the spirit leads. But, but over the last several months as I was processing and unpacking this in my own life, I feel the Lord leading me to turn that on its head. That is my job as the spirit leads to speak the truth. I'm sorry. The spirit leads and in love speak the truth. That those things have to be in the proper order. There are so many in your life that needs to hear the truth, and you have the answer to their deepest, darkest question in life, but they do not care until they know how much you care. That the thing that they're waiting on to unlock that part of their brain is for you to show genuine, unbridled, no agenda love for who they are as a person. A true follower of Christ, your default starting position is always love, not correction. That is not your business. That's God's territory. And like I said earlier, love isn't the acceptance of sin. Love is the bricks that we build the bridge with. I mean, there are people right now who are saying the church has gotten soft on sin. All we tell people is how much God loves them. And look, I'm here to tell you right now, I understand what you mean by that. But what I'm saying is that God didn't change. That was always his intent, that the church was supposed to be about love before it was about anything else. The default starting position of the church was supposed to be love. We changed. God didn't change. And think about it like this. That is exactly what Christ did for you. That's exactly what Christ still does for you. As much as you like to look at those other people and say, like, they've got, they're just, their life is jacked up. Look, your life is still jacked up. I don't know about you, but I sinned this week. I messed up. Like, it's covered, and I get all the theology of that, but I still messed up. God still has to look at me and say, I love you past, through, around, under, 
all that mess, and I see exactly who I created to be and who you're supposed to be from the very beginning. Christ does that for you every single day. So why do we have such a hard time doing that for other people? you got to love them right past, over, through, around, and under all that stuff. And I'm not saying it's easy. But that's exactly what Christ does for us every single day. And he expects nothing less from us. Jesus builds bridges. That's what this whole morning's been about. But not just Jesus building bridges. He entrusts us to partner with him and come alongside of him and build bridges with him. He doesn't need us, but he chooses to use us. And for me, that's way more impactful. He doesn't need me, but he chooses to use me, even if I mess it up. And over the last year, like God has been boring this deep inside Deborah and I's heart and our team's heart as we try to figure out what that looks like in Greenville, South Carolina. He's calling us to build bridges. In fact, that's what we're about. You can see it here. We're in We're all about inspiring bridge builders to live and love like Jesus. Does that sound familiar to you guys? I mean, that's exciting. I mean, the the work that you're doing here influenced us because it's like one of the most pure and simple representation of what the gospel is supposed to be about. And that's what we are for. And I'd love to tell you more about what we are for, but I'd rather show you. Check out this video. Jesus. That name can mean different things to people. Maybe he's someone they've heard about. For some, he's just a figure from history that means something to someone else. For others, he means nothing. One of the things that all people need is community. And Parkside Church is a community that exists to build bridges between people and Jesus, between who they are and who he is. And through his life-changing truth, our goal is to inspire bridge builders to live and love like Jesus. We believe that these bridges can help shape the identity of a changing city. We are bridge builders who want to be known by what we are for. We're for the down and out and the up and out. We're for both sides of the tracks. For school teachers and bartenders, We're for families, single moms and bonus dads, tired parents and the fatherless. We're for the addicted, the healed, the hurting and the hungry. We are for one another. We're for the forgotten, the ambitious and the dreamers. We are for those that have it all together and the ones that know better. We are for those who think, act and vote different. We are for artists and the pragmatic. We're for the CEOs and the no one knows. We're for life-changing truth. We are for finding identity and purpose no matter where it takes us. We are for never ceasing hope and boundless generosity. We are for loving with reckless authenticity and living with relentless integrity. We are for loving where we live and knowing our neighbors. We're for block parties and front porch sitting, for listening to one another, for face-to-face, for actual community. A community that loves its city and builds bridges to Jesus. This is what we are for, and so is Jesus.
One of our absolute favorite things over the last 11 years is being able to be a part of Vintage's story. From the first conversation that we had in some restaurant, probably after we saw a movie together with Matt and Ashley, to now. And over the last year, especially since Deborah and I have been able to come and be a part of Monday Night Services. It's like, been such a blessing to us to, to not only serve in ministry together over in Kernersville for a few years, but this last year to be able to come over here and just worship. I mean, you guys are a big part of our story. And we're excited that we've been a part of your story. And for years, we've prayed for you guys. Some of you who have been baptized here, been saved here, who have seen your marriages be restored, who have, who have found uh, new purpose in, in, in old pain. Like, these are things that we prayed for. And now we're asking you to return the favor to us. That's not why we did it, but we're excited for the opportunity. And for us, we believe the most important thing that can happen in this season of preparation we're in is to have people who are connected to the Father, who understand the big picture of what we're supposed to do, build bridges, and have them praying for us. So we would love for every single one of you to say, we would definitely be praying for you and your team and your families. We, got all, we all have little kids that are involved in this too. Be praying for us. And, and we'd love to know that you're praying for us so we can tell you exactly how we would love for you to pray for us. And so in the Vintage app, and you can see our link there, you can go to parkside.life and sign up. For, we send out an email every single month with very specific ways that you can pray for us. And then we have a Facebook group too that we try to keep updated all the time with what's going on. But that would mean the absolute world to us. More than anything else that happens here today, if you would pray for us, it would mean everything to us. And now I'd love to pray for you. Lord, thank you so much for Vintage Church. And Lord, thank you for what it's meant to Deborah and I personally, how we've sat in these seats and we've worshiped and we've been fed and we've grown in our faith because of the things that happen here. That because of what's happened here, you've inspired us to love you, to live like you, and teach others to do it too in a different city. We thank you for the leadership of Matt and the team. We thank you for the volunteers and people who are just here because we know that, that you want to continue to do almighty work in this region of the world because of Venice Church. So we claim those things right now. We claim those victories. We, and we know the story's still being written, and there is way more to come, and we believe the best is yet to come for Venice Church. So, Lord, I pray that in their minds right now, you would begin to place people in their lives that they need to partner with you to build bridges to whether it be someone in their home, a coworker, that child or grandchild that's far from you, Lord, that if we walk out of here and we can't think of someone that needs to be, have a, have a bridge built to, we need to think a little bit harder. Lord, as we wrap up here, we pray that you would just meet with us and challenge us. And we thank you for all these things and the more that's yet to come. In your name we pray. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. Stay connected with what's happening at Vintage by downloading the Vintage Church app, where you have access to sermon notes, upcoming events, devotionals, previous podcasts, and discover ways to connect in community. You'll also have access to our deeper podcast, which is a conversational deep dive into the message from the weekend. We hope you join us again soon.